Welcome, everybody, to the uh, Composers Roundtable. This is episode 10, and my name is Samuel Turnquist, and I'm here with Sibian Ambergie, and we also have Tracy Collins here, who is the founder of Indigenous Samples, or maybe just Indigenous. He creates instruments, he's also a musician. So we are very honored to have you here. Very much welcome to you, Tracy. Well, thank you. It's great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. All right. So I thought maybe we should just start briefly. Who are you and what do you do? So the viewers will know more about you. My name's Tracy Collins, and I am, as you said, the founder of Indigenous. Uh, you can call it just Indigenous or Indigenous Sample Libraries. Um, and, I, you know, I was a composer for uh, many years. I guess I still am a composer. That didn't stop. Um, but I founded uh, Indigenous in uh, right around 2004, and uh, we've been building that up ever since, and it's been great. All right. What uh, what started that? I mean, what what caused you to create this this company to begin with? Well, I'd I'd been sampling. I I was working in a studio. I was fortunate enough to uh, have been hired in a commercial studio in Gainesville, Florida, where I was working on, I would work on uh, people's songs. They would come into our the MIDI studio I worked in and I would produce tracks for them. And also I would do the commercial music there and my boss would, I remember my boss came in one time and this is why I like this job. He said, he just popped in the door. There was already a, a client in the room with me. And he said, Tracy, I need, I've been working on the railroad and something Egyptian, and I needed it in two hours. And he, he walked out of the room. <laughs> Which is, now. Yeah. Who has a job like that? It was great. Oh, what's happening here? It's Simeon with his new sample library going on. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but that's crazy. So so basically, you uh, you worked as a what composer. Is... And uh, yeah, what happened? How, how, how did you move on from there? Um, well, around um, after the 9-11 uh, attack in New York, which I'm not in New York, but it affected the economy very much uh, all over the all over U.S., uh, studio work kind of dried up and the um, production, and I was doing some production here in my home studio. Actually, were you working as a playing musician or, or more of the computer? Uh, no, more, music? Just, uh, just in a studio. I was mm -hmm. a studio musician. And you know, producing songs for local artists, and uh, you know, and also I was, we had I've done work for Discovery Channel, uh, National Geographic, as far as composing for them, um, and uh, for twenty years, a friend of mine, Mark Emery, uh, and I had worked on a fishing show called One More Cast, um, which was great, twenty seasons. Uh, you know, thirteen shows a season, which was which was great. It was fun, uh, but it was like what you would always need new sounds. And I was already had already learned about sampling from the studio where I worked at, where there was a actually a, a guitar store at the end of the building. I could go borrow a guitar, hmm. bring it into my little studio B where I'm at, put a microphone, sample a few notes, uh, and then just use that sound. So I, that's how I learned how the the uh, techniques on sampling. Mm. But 2004, everything kind of dried up, mm. and uh, it was a tough time for us here, uh, my wife and I, and it was uh, the only thing I could think of was maybe we could try making a commercial sample library and selling it. Mm. Um, so I borrowed a few guitars, three guitars from uh, from friends. I borrowed microphones from another friend, and uh, I borrowed a uh, early Pro Tools interface from studio where I worked and uh, started sampling these uh, three guitars. And actually one of them, is, there was a fourth guitar, which was a, a uh, nylon string guitar, which was a, a Sears Silvertone nylon guitar. So that first that first guitar and acoustic guitar collection uh, is actually a Sears Silvertone wow. guitar I had under my <laughs> bed when I was a kid. But put those together, and we started selling them. Um, at first, it was for Akai samplers, 
So we had CD-ROMs that we would actually have to mail out. Somebody would order it on uh, PayPal. We would, and my wife and I would uh, would burn the CD, would print out the little inserts and cut them out with scissors and mm. go to the post office and mail them. Mm. But after a couple of years, uh, it became possible to download them. And then it, you know, it, take, it took off after that and, and the market as we know it started to to appear and i'm just i was just fortunate to be part of it at that time i think mm. because it's a it's you know it's much more crowded now than it was at that point oh yeah yes yeah, so you were one of the first ones to do this and that's why it's easier to be established today so if you know what i mean well we were small fish mm. obviously uh we did have help uh, uh from a guy named rob purcelli who had a uh, a forum. He's a he's an English guy. Had a forum for Akai samplers, and another guy named Steve Howell, who was kind of a sampling legend. He uh, he worked with Akai. As a matter of fact, he designed a lot of the interfaces for the early Akai samplers. Wow. Mm. And he was I think he was Welsh. He's passed away since then. But he uh, for some reason he just they took upon them to uh, to promote little indigenous and. Uh, really helped and he kind of his name helped a lot in the in the very beginning so yeah and it's so it's so crucial to have a, a good contact a good gatekeeper what should you call it it really seems to help yeah so so what is um i know it's a lot more to talk about but i just was wonder indigenous why why that name and does it mean anything actually to you uh it it did because well i was working on a fishing show so i needed mm. to get american sounding uh, instruments or, or oh, folk. Yeah. Um, I'm actually a, 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 a prog guy myself. So we ended up, you know, <laughs> putting all these things together and then, you know, adding as composers do, uh, for reality shows, putting in way too much, you know, French horns and timpanis, which you don't need really on a bass boat. No. But <laughs> you can't help yourself. Can you, you just right. you go for it. But what we needed these instruments and, mm. um, so I started using the uh, show as a as a proving as proving ground for the the sample for the libraries, which worked, and you could tell what what worked. And Mark, uh, my partner on that, would uh, you know we could see how how well he worked with them, and it really helped to to fine tune them and, and understand what people expect from a sample library. Mm. Oh, I well, I for forgot. each well for each of those episodes. How much lead time did you have to create, like the whole soundtrack for for like uh, so the episodes were like forty minutes or twenty minutes long? We would, yeah, it would be a you know it's a half hour, you know, twenty eight eight minute twenty. I can't remember what it was twenty six twenty eight, uh, but you know you had sometimes three or four minutes of music, sometimes more, hmm. uh, depending on what we thought we could get away with. Uh, I loved it. I would get up. On on show day, uh, sometimes I'd have an idea or two, sometimes not, and I would get up at six o'clock in the morning, and uh, the editor would have sent the uh, the show on a as a, uh, a quick time movie, so download it, put it in a digital performer, and write one or two pieces at least before ten o'clock when I would go to Mark's house where he would have written some things and we just put them together well wow. to see what we had and then just you know lock it to picture sometimes we never didn't even have picture i would have to go pick up the the show on the way over to mark's house mm. but uh i loved <laughs> i loved that kind of because you had to come up with something mm -hmm. there was no time for daydreaming or for waiting or for uh, inspiration to strike you just had to put your mind to it and whatever Pretty much whatever you came up with at first, you had to go with it. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I would uh, when I was when I was doing it, I could put a couple, uh, you know, one or two minute pieces together. <coughs> excuse me, you know, in a couple hours or two or three. But did you also develop the sample library at the same time? I mean, was it like, oh, I I needed this guitar and I don't have it, so I'm going to create it right now, or you know what I mean? Um, yeah, actually, yeah, it would be, uh, I mean, the, the something like a fishing show. First of all, there's only 13 episodes in a year, so mm -hmm. that's, that's only 13 days you're working on that, really. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but yeah, usually uh, I'd be working on them at the at the same time. Uh, for a while, I was playing in a uh, in a band actually, and we had traveled around a lot. Um, it was actually an Amway band. Okay, we wouldn't play oh, yeah. Amway conventions, so we <laughs> have to fly out somewhere, and I would have a. At first, it was a. It was a Mac. Plus, you know, it was one of the cube-shaped old Macs with oh, yeah. floppy drives. And I had this box I carried it in. It would go in the van. So I'd be in the hotel room trying to work out, you know, things out with my Mac Plus uh, when I was on the road. And then get back and Monday or Tuesday get with Mark and then finish the show. Mm. Wow. So you use Digital Performer. Was that your main composing yeah. or sequencing platform? I went from uh, originally, well, I started with a with a uh, Commodore sixty four, something called sequence wow. Super Sequencer sixty four. Oh yeah, I remember that. And then I went to uh, a Mac, and it was a Vision, then Studio Vision, and they got they were eaten by uh, Gibson, I think. Oh yeah, and destroyed. Don't 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 don't. Then I think Gibson destroyed baldwin piano and organs yes and then they then they destroyed another one didn't they um they destroyed cakewalk but it resurrected cake, right oh wow. it's back that's back i destroyed all that yeah but you it know guitar resurrected. players i wonder, wondered if it was guitar players you know having something against keyboard players because they kept <laughs> buying our stuff and then putting it out of business so i don't know wow but they're not going to get indigenous i can tell you that <laughs> okay that's good no but it yeah so this is yeah, this is what that. Uh, oh shoot! Okay, let's go. Well, well, I was trying to show a picture of the yeah. of the. Uh, I'll get back of to the, that later. Okay, yeah, the Mac Plus uh, yeah. because that was like one of the first um, first Macs that that I actually saw in the in the flesh as mm -hmm. well, and it was like, oh my gosh, look at the graphics and look at the screen, and it's got a mouse, and and it's like it's so it's so integrated, and and uh, so it was. But it was like how much, like a couple of thousand dollars when it first came out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was, it was, it, and hey, but you got two megabytes of memory in that thing. <laughs> yeah, and it was huge. So wow, what yeah, that was you like, do wow. with two megabytes of memory. Yeah, but I remember I worked on. I didn't have that one. I, I worked on a on a, a Atari that had only one megabyte or just above. But he had the uh, I don't know what it's, what it was called. I can't monitor, but it was black and white because high resolution, <laughs> so right. could not be in colors. And I worked uh, on the first Cubas there, and I loved it. And you could actually do quite a bit. It was only MIDI then, but uh, it must right. have been similar experience, I guess, to the Mac. I never were, I never used those, but I remember a friend of mine had those. But yeah. Yeah, these kids don't know how easy they have it. These no, days. that's true. <sighs> you have to have a separate unit attached to the computer just to get the sounds. But though, that's what I'm saying. I find that fascinating. So you, I'm, you loved it, and you were creating all this music for this show. But at the same time, you had to develop a new instrument. Uh, I, I just want to pause to think about that because it's not like I'm sitting here writing a piece of music. Like, huh? I need a new guitar sample. That let me just get my mics and my guitar. I mean, to me, I don't know anything about it. But that sounds like a lot of work, and also uh, the limitations back then. You know, it's not back the then, yes, now. the limitations. Um, our, our first library, acoustic guitar collection, and I, I spoke to Simeon about this. The the whole instrument, I'm sorry, had to had to go within 32 megabytes. Mm. Okay, so and that's that wasn't the total memory. I'm looking down here at a. I still have the old sampler uh, down down aside here, but yeah, you had to cut the samples very. You had to choose your notes carefully, and you also had to loop the the sustains so you could fit the. You, know, you can't let a ten or fifteen second note sound completely; you wouldn't have enough memory. Mm. So you had to learn how to to do it concisely. Yeah. So to to make it long helped. enough, to make it short enough, but long enough at the same time, short enough where you had enough where you could loop that last segment. Right. Uh, to make it, but but you, yeah. So it's like this game, law game of averages, or where do I cut this, or where do I loop this? Um, man, interesting. Right, right. Yeah, we had a, I had a rule of, and my wife Brenda, she helped me 
she she helped me with this and she uh had it we had an early editing editing program where we could do the loops and she helped me a lot so we had the five second rule where we, the sample could be no longer than that we had to find the loop within that time but you know it's 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 like the romplers of the era of the 90s um essentially the same thing you know if you bought a a roland jv 1080 the same rules were applying there you'd have the just the attack of the note and then right after that as soon as it as soon as it stabilized into a almost a uh sine wave you would loop uh loop that section usually only a single cycle a single uh single wave cycle i guess we're not wow. talking about round robins and uh, different kind of <laughs> velocity layers round robins yes that was a dream <laughs> at that time wasn't it yeah exactly so it was it just one note per per note you know what i mean um like on a guitar Mm. What what I used to do, and in those days, is uh, just do it open string, and then mm. on the frets with the dots. So it would be the uh, I, uh, the E string, and then the G would be the first dot, the third fret, and then the fifth fret would be A, and then I would go up to the next. Actually, I'd just go E G up to the A string, but you'd have so essentially every uh, three or four semitones. And you could get a good sound. We still sell um, acoustic guitar collection. All right. I think it's because there's four guitars in a you know a forty five dollar package, mm. uh, but those are all um, sampled like that, with mm. uh, only uh, you know much less than you know the modern ones where you have every every note obviously sampled mm. and several uh, uh, four or five or six velocity layers. And then Ron Robbins, right? It's interesting. But, I I always looked at other communities that were limited. Uh, I remember when I was very young, I had friends who programmed on the Amiga, for example, and or even the Commodore, and how limited it was. And you had to see, be quite clever in order to be able to do anything with that short amount of memory. Um, so, is there any benefits you think of i mean obviously it's better now you have everything right you can do whatever you want but is there anything to learn from are there any benefits of being limited this way do you think that that has made you look at things differently for example i think there are always uh advantages to limitations mm. um yeah you learn how to choose the right notes and then later later on for instance most of the um, instruments that we've sampled, I, I'm actually playing them. Uh, I did not play the fiddle; someone else did that. Um, but all the stringed instruments, like the guitars, uh, mandolins, uh, resonators, even the lap steel, I played. But I'm not a great guitar player, and I don't know how to play pedal steel. But I know what the sound is that I want, and I know what someone's going to expect, and I know what I want to happen in in the instrument in the end in the end product so uh, you when you hit a guitar you take a pick or your finger and you pluck a, a guitar string you can get a million different sounds so you have to know i guess that's the trick is just knowing what it is you want to hear in the end hmm. and another thing is that you, if you Obviously, you, you don't just set up microphones and run over and start start playing. You have mm. to you have to get a sound first. Mm. So you know you, you test microphones. You go over, you play the instrument, and you play it back. And you you know you'll play a few notes on a guitar, um, and then play them back on the speakers. And you go, okay, that sounds good. I've got something. That's a good sounding guitar. Let's run a test run. So um, I would go through and sample a few notes, pretty much like the old way with it, where I would only do a few notes per octave, just to get an idea of what the feel and what it would sound like, mm. uh, what the final product would be. Then cut them up, load them into contact, and then play it. And you'd be amazed at how many times you something sounds fine when you're playing back notes, um, just recording live notes and then playing it back on speakers. And when you have sampled it and you're playing it on a keyboard, it's mm. a different... It's a different expectation, I guess. It's 
I'm not even sure how to describe it. It's it just, you have to test out the samples. You have to make sure that they're actually going to work when you play them, when your finger hits the key and how they respond. Mm. And that's something that, you know, it takes a while to learn. I'm and sure. And the consistency as well. So it doesn't sound like five different instruments every time you hit a different key. That, yeah. that, that, that is, yes, that's huge. And, and I'm, I'm actually, I, I am going to give away some secrets because uh, I'm, I'm actually going to, uh, I'm planning to do a little YouTube series on a uh, sampling, a, an instrument, just a simple instrument, just to see it, just to show how it's done. Because people can use this on mm -hmm. their own. You don't have to go and buy a, a sample library for, you know, a, a shaker. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could go out and, you know, and buy a percussion library for $200. Mm. I could go to the music store and buy a shaker for a, a few dollars and then get a microphone and just make a few samples yeah. and, and do it yourself. But uh, oh. yes, yeah, those little egg, those little egg shakers are magic. Uh, I mean, are. you just you take one of those and you just add that on top of what you've already done. It's like it's I don't know. It's just like a little magical thing that happens. So that's that's a, that's really cool. Yeah, no, but it's true. I, I don't have the patience to do it myself, uh, but I think it's definitely good advice. I mean, we've had Ben Osterhaus on this uh, pod before, and he also creates uh, libraries himself for, you know, wanting to create things that doesn't exist out there. But yeah, it's interesting. I was just going to ask you, actually, if you had any tips on how anyone could start doing this, you know, in a simple way. And it's really great that you're going to have a, a video course on it. But I was wondering if there, if you had any tips on should one actually get a hardware unit? Maybe it's easier to be simple, or should they use the computer, or what kind of mics, or anything like that? Um, yeah, the first first library I did was using a, a Kai S2000, uh, which is a 12-bit you know, sampler, I think. Maybe it might have been 16. That was 16. Mm -hmm. But I actually ran it through the Pro Tools interface and into it. But I wouldn't suggest doing it that way. It's, it's much easier to just run a track, and if you're well, let's just say you're sampling a guitar, and the lowest stro the lowest string is the E string, and you uh, just start playing that string on a single track, continuous. And then, just, what I do is I just start soft and then start doing it louder, and then downstrokes, and then upstrokes, and then you end up with a whole track of these things. And I and I will get into this when I when I do the video I'm planning. Mm -hmm. uh, you cut them up, and you just you know if they're the same note and they're different. Velocities, you just stack them up in, in contact. And that's essentially all there is to it. So it's uh, contact you need to have. Is that what you're saying? That's the best. You have to, you have, to have some hmm. contact is, is an easy way to do it. Uh, you can do it without contact. Um, you can use, what's that? I'm looking at my computer. Does it have to be the uh, paid version of contact then, right, I guess? Yes, it does. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, they've got Decent Sampler, which is a uh, oh, yeah. which is a free uh, platform. Uh, Piano Book actually yeah. uses uh, uses a lot of those, uh, and that's a, that's a great community to get involved in. So you've got Decent Sampler. You've got Sfortzando, mm -hmm. uh, the yes. SFZ the format. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I played around with so that. So that's one. Yeah. that's that's fun. Yeah. That's a free platform. Oh, you have to learn that that little. Uh, what is that format? SFZ? SFZ. Right. Mm -hmm. right. Where it's just a, it's a text thing, which is cool because anyone can do it. Mm -hmm. You just have to have your samples and you just have to write out this little text file. Mm -hmm. And that's that's a good way to get into it. Mm -hmm. Contact it, is easy because you just kind of drag things in. Mm -hmm. But it, it costs, you know, you have to buy contact full. Mm. But uh, which is expensive. And I understand that. But how do you actually mic it? If you have an electric instrument, do you plug it directly in then, I guess, and it's quite easy. But otherwise, you need a good yes. mic, no? Yeah, you have to have, uh, if you're going to do a, yeah, there are two different animals. If you're doing an electric guitar, you just plug the thing in, mm -hmm. essentially, and record it. And mm -hmm. it's much easier. Acoustic, an acoustic instrument, and I uh, usually record them here in, in, the, in this studio. And although it's, um, somewhat soundproofed and i have a actually this big foam thing i put there's a window over here and i put the i block it off with a big foam block and i have to record at night uh, most often because there's too much noise even when you have a 
lot of isolation. It's one thing if you're recording a vocal for a, a song in your home studio, but another, another thing, if you're hitting a note and it lasts for 15 seconds and it's dying out and a dog barks mm. a, a street away or your stomach growls, that's the mm. worst one. Yeah, how much sound comes out of your body yep. when you're trying to <laughs> until you try to <laughs> something with close mics because the, the mics are usually very close. Mm. If the you know if the if, let's say this is the guitar, the hole for the guitar, my mics are usually around uh, six to eight inches uh, above that. So they've got to be hot and they've got to be mm. they're it's very sensitive. So. It's true. I just want to say I work as a voice talent and I have my booth, but it's when you realize everything sounds, damn it, <laughs> like everything, right. it's really difficult. So I, I know what you mean to find silence. Right. Yeah. Yeah. When I, when I record an acoustic instrument, I, I have a little rig that I made um, where I set the, the instrument down and I have a thing to hold the neck so I can just have the mics above for two reasons. Number one, if you sit there and try to hold a guitar and sample it, uh, like I did for the first couple of projects, there, you get a little inconsistency in in uh, in, a, in the pan and the positioning mm. of the sound because you're going to move around a little bit and not even not get back in the chair in the same place. Mm. The other thing is your body making too much noise. Mm. You're just holding holding the neck. You're you'll get all these little uh, noises that will ruin a note just from the the instrument creaking or or. Wow imperceptible little movements in your fingers or hands. And if you try to hold a note down with your finger for 15 seconds and don't mm. make any noise, try it with yeah. mics. So it, it's much more challenging to record a, uh, an acoustic instrument. So would you say in a way you become an instrumentalist, but in a different way, you don't master the guitar like a guitarist, but you master recording the guitar, you could say. Right, and, and you watch, if you're gonna do something, well, like the, the dobro or the resonator, Mm. Uh, was, was a good example. I love that sound. I always loved that sound. And I decided, well, I'm going to do that. Mm. Um, so I went and bought the the instrument. And then I had to learn how to do the slides with a with a uh, metal slide. Mm. Um, and do, you know, do it on pitch, move, you know, move, you know, hit the note and go up to pitch and down to pitch, uh, which wasn't as hard as I thought it would be. Uh, but the next step is to even before you do that, you watch um, hours and hours of videos of of performances of that instrument, you know, to see what it is that they do, so you can you have a clue as to as to what's expected for that instrument. Hmm. You want to be able to watch a Jerry Douglas video, who's a, a great dobro player. And then at least get something close where, because that's what people are going to expect. They want to be able to have that sound mm. in the sample library. So you watch, and then you try to learn from them and and uh, copy what they're doing to to create the samples. Wow, it seems like a lot of work to me. I mean, how many how should I, how many notes do you need for one note? Do you understand know what I'm saying? If you have the note G, you can't just record that one way, right? There has to be a lot of variations um, in different positions. What we, no? Yeah, what I do is. Um, we normally have five um, velocity layers. Mm -hmm. Okay, so just from going from soft to loud. Mm -hmm. um, then I usually do, I'd usually just have two round robins, honestly. I have a, a down pick and an up pick. Mm -hmm. Then slides, mutes, where you just, you're muting the note with your, with your palm. Um, harmonics, you're gonna, you usually have to have harmonics for that. Um, and there's a lot of little articulations like slides. Some of the articulations uh, I'll create later on with scripting, like a little trill where it's like a quick hammer on, you play it and mm -hmm. you pull the finger off. Um, can do that. And then I'd use also do hammer-ons with scripting. But you record the, you actually record the hammer-on. You record the, the sound of the hammer-on. Then the script puts the first note and then the second note um, adds that in the scripting. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of notes. I, don't know how many. It depends on the instrument. Uh, for instance, the the lap steel was the first time I tried a real legato, where you actually had legato uh, connected samples for every interval in the instrument. Wow, wow that's and that hard. that took yeah. a long time. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of moving around. <laughs> yeah. You know, you do an octave, then you have to do eleven steps, then you have to yeah, do yeah. ten steps up, ten steps uh, all the way up to half 
just a half step and then mm-hmm. same thing sliding down. Wow. So yeah, and I can only imagine you reach a certain limit if you're on your own. If you're if you're a, a one man shop like uh, or or two man shop like we are. Mm. Okay, actually one man, one woman shop like we are. <laughs> um, where you you can't you know unless you hire a bunch of other people, you have to you have to keep things at a at a um, know what your limitations are. In other words, uh, I wouldn't try an orchestral library unless I had a lot of other, a lot of help. Yeah, imagine the work. Yeah, when you when I start to understand a little bit more what this really means, I I get more in, like in awe of, of anyone creating any library. Actually, I, it seems too much work. But yeah, uh, well, I say, think, well, I think when we sit down um, at these libraries, we we're we're just we're and this is why these types of interviews I think are so important because. It allows us to pull the curtain back and to get that appreciation for what is inside this. It's it's hours and years of work and patience and uh, long nights and just you know trial and error and testing and all of this stuff. So when we hit that note or play that chord, uh, there is so much more going on, and I think that is so important for us to just uh, to see that to hear mm-hmm. about the process. Um, and then when we go and try to do it ourselves, it's like, oh my gosh, what it, what in the world? It gives us a greater appreciation for it. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's that that's what's so wonderful about hearing about this, hearing about that process. Uh, it gives that appreciation that we need, um, and especially when we're talking about uh, how much a library costs, the investment for contact, and mm-hmm. all of that stuff. It all Mike's eventually true. comes together and makes sense in the end mm-hmm. right it's it's a small industry and th- there are so many talented people and i have met many of of i guess they're my competitors but when you go to uh the nam show which is a convention mm-hmm. uh for music industry uh, manufacturers uh, in california and then we'd all get together and have a, a dinner and you you know you get to talk to the other guys uh, that do what you do, and you just and everybody just just shoots their mouth off, gives all their secrets away. Because mm-hmm. who who do you talk to about yeah. this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My, my mom goes, "What what is it that you do like, again?" <laughs> yeah. Well, mom, uh-huh. I'm, I'm a musician. Just let's just leave it with that. Yeah, because yeah. it's you know, but it's there. But these people are great. I have to say, you can you can ask them questions. Uh, they help each other out. So it's it's not at least I haven't run across anything cutthroat at all mm. uh, in the, in the industry. So I'm I'm really blessed to be be part of it That's and great. to you know have my little spot in the market. So. And I think that's what's so great about Indigenous is because you you set you set what you wanted to be, you knew what you wanted to be, and you've stayed true to that all of these years. And so that's what really, I think, has um, just allowed you to have the success that you have. Because like what you said, you you know your boundaries, you know, you know what you want to do, you know the types of instruments that you want to sample. And so it allows you to have uh, confidence in your space. You own, you own your space, pretty much. Uh, and so that's, that's that's a lot of peace, I guess. So you're not you're not trying to necessarily compete with all of these other guys. You're just doing what you do uh, the way that you've decided to do it, and that's what stands out uh, to me uh, with with uh, with indigenous. And it's it's great because I think that's what we have to do. We have to know who we are, set those limitations, and that eliminates a whole bunch of drama and stuff at the end of the day. You know, so uh, kudos for that. Yeah, I want to riff on that too because I I mentioned this before we chat a little bit before Tracy that uh, I've tried some of your libraries and uh, I I don't know how to say this but just it's a feeling actually and which is really what music should be all about. I you 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 would think that the sample library is just a bunch of notes you know you hit a and most libraries are like that but I'm serious when I mean this I'm not trying to be extra kind Uh, your guitar libraries 
I, they really touched something in me. And it's interesting, you say you're not a guitar player, but uh, and I'm not one either, but I was brought up with guitar. My father is a guitar player, a very good one. And so I, I got a feel for a good guitar. And I recognized, I sort of got nostalgic feels from your from your guitar libraries because those notes, there's something in them, <laughs> which is weird. It's just a note, right? But I compare it to other, you know, some native uh, guitars and other ones. They're okay, but they don't have that touch that your guitars have. And I just, I was like, well, how did you do that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you nailed it, Sam. That's, 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 you, you absolutely nailed it because that's, that's, that was my experience too. And it's Tracy. Tracy's <laughs> in these libraries. That's yeah. what, that's what we've got. And that's, that's, I think that's what we feel and what makes it so special. Um, yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you were able to experience that. Yeah. Thank you, guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you're, but at the same time, I mean, we keep the prices low because that was part of the reason. Um, I think I've said it before that uh, I couldn't afford uh, the libraries that were out at the time I started Indigenous. Mm. One was oh, yeah. uh, Hans Zimmer's guitars. It was called. It was on CD-ROMs, mm. and it was really good. Um, but it was three hundred dollars. It was out of my <laughs> price range. <laughs> so at the time. Um, so that's part of the reason that's, and we wanted to keep the prices, um, lower and more accessible, um, to people. And, you know, there are, to me, the most important thing is that some, it's easy to play it, that it inspires you when you touch it, you want, mm -hmm. you want to play it mm -hmm. and that it sounds, it's going to fool whoever the listener into thinking that it's the instrument. If it's a guitar and if you, uh, play it in a guitar style, you should not be able to, to tell the difference. Hmm. Um, and it should be able professional. So if you can use it um, on your friend's song or you can use it on a, you know, a primetime television show and, hmm. and it should yeah. still, it should still compete with everybody else. Hmm. May not have some of the features of, of the more expensive libraries, but it should be able to fit in and should be able to sound just as professional as they are and and should be able to get the the point across just as just as well. yeah, I just I just want to say, I'm sorry for being so overly positive. You feel like I'm being paid there, but I'm not, but but I, <laughs> I, I I like all of them, but i I really was especially blown away by the mandolin and the ukulele. Oh, the other ones are good too, but because I haven't tried all the guitar. Uh, sample libraries out there but i haven't heard one that sounds so real so good like give, give that uh touch i haven't and i consider vertu to be one of the better ones out there they're they for guitar samples but uh i don't think uh, they match your your ukulele and mandolin i don't think so seriously i think we, we what i do is i'm um thank you very much mm. we might get close i'm I close mic everything um, because you can always add ambience, you know, with a reverb or a impulse response or anything else, mm. but you can't take it away. You, know, you once you have a room, uh, the sound of this guitar bouncing off that wall back there, you can't get rid of that wall. Mm. So you're always going to hear that room. Um, so the more, I think, the closer. I mean, it makes sense. The closer the mics are to the source for an acoustic instrument the more immediate it feels when you play it. It's, mm. it, can, it feels like it's faster and it doesn't feel like, uh, like you're dragging a suitcase um, mm. behind you when you're playing. Yeah. And I, I think that's, that's worked for us is just keeping mm. doing, uh, and some people don't like it. You know, guitars are like violins, are like pianos. One person you know, yeah. loves it. Somebody did a review, a review and just totally trashed oh, really? a lot of my guitars, <laughs> broke my heart. Oh, yeah. and uh, but he didn't like that sound. You know, mm. there's a certain sound that he likes in, in an, acoustic, an acoustic guitar, and and that guitar was not it. Mm. And other people will write and say that they have libraries that cost much more than what ours do, but they use ours. Ours are go is their go-to library, which makes me feel really proud. That's a good point. I mean, I would say, even though I feel like your guitars can be used for many genres, that they are still quite genre-specific. And if you think about what the instruments, what they are, and so w would it be true to say that they are towards the country Western style, even though they work with other styles? Yes, and that's, mm -hmm. um, yeah, country Americana. Americana, yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and that's again, that's because I was working on a fishing show. That's yeah. that's really the whole secret to it. And the name Indigenous, you asked before, it was just I thought Indigenous. Oh, yeah. I was thinking Indigenous American, not like you know uh, a, a Cherokee. Yeah, <laughs> but just as as folk, you know, folk instruments. Um, and the other thing was that the name, when I typed it in with the wrong spelling of Indigenous, there was. Uh, the domain name was available and that was the first one i ran across and i thought well let's just go with that must this must be must be a sign all right i just want to say uh chris christopher ceo is uh, in uh, the chat and he is saying hi to tracy i don't know if you guys met before but (laughs) he's a nice composer he was here on our last podcast yeah hey chris Do you have a question to Simeon or do you not interrupt anyone? I'm sorry. No, no, I'm just uh, thinking about um, uh, what, okay, so this this probably doesn't have anything to do with sample libraries, but what inspires, what, I, I guess if you have a musical inspiration, Tracy, what what would that be? What would your, what what really inspires you as a musician? What has inspired you in the past uh, musically? Um, my, my my pastor is also a friend of mine that I, I used to play in his band, mm-hmm. and uh, his his answer to that question I've always liked, and his he would always say food. <laughs> it's, it's to survive, and, you, you know. <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah. I, I wouldn't, and he's obviously just you know making a point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's a good question. You know what? Mm. You know, as I was talking about that, doing that fishing show, and the uh, the the time crunch, which I did on purpose. I mean, I actually waited to the last moment because it was I enjoyed it. Just the I like the excitement of having to come up with it. If someone gives me a, a commission, you know, I need this piece, um, you know, in December, you know, two months from now. Thanks a lot, but I'm not going to even think about it for a couple months. It's just, <laughs> just, it's just yeah. something about, you know, you have, when you have to do it, because you can go through so many different things. You can, um, you know, second guess yourself. So long, the longer time you have. Good point. So it's, second, not pro- it's not procrastination. It's really just, I don't need that much time. This is silly. That's half of it. And the other yeah. half is the yeah. closer you get to the deadline, the more pressure it puts on the producer to say, oh, yeah, that's good. We like that. That's good. Good point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, well, I, don't, I don't think I, that's what you're asking me, though. I think you may be asking well, me. Well, do, do you have a musical memory? Uh, do you have a point in your life where where you 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 heard a piece of music, or you were at a particular concert, or what? When did you know that you were going to be a musician, or or you know, just something that stands out in your in your memory about what what inspired you as a musician? Yes. There are two things that I can think of. One was. Um, a friend across the street and we're kids, he brought over a, an album and he goes, hey, I want you to listen to this. It's a little weird, but I think you'll like it. I put it on and I hated it. And then I I played it the second time ago. Well, it, there's something about it. And then by the third time, I was totally hooked on Emerson, Lincoln, Palmer. That was a brain solid surgery. And <laughs> that just, and the guy was cool. I was, you know, I, was, I thought I was a keyboard player. Uh, playing in their little band there. Uh, but then this guy was cool. He wasn't, you know, he, you know, he was a man's keyboard player. You know, he, he was, you know, he stabbed the organ. I mean, I, I thought it was great. You know, he, was, he, <laughs> he broke the mold for keyboard players. And the other thing, and I, I think I share this with a lot of composers, was sitting in, I was 19, sat down to watch this movie. And, um, there are two two suns setting, and Luke Skywalker's looking into the into the sunset, uh, wondering what's happened to his droid. And that Jedi theme comes up underneath there, and I just I was I thought I want to do that. This is what I want to do. I want to I want to write music for picture, mm. and yeah. that's true. I mean that that was a moment. That's probably especially for the you know writing orchestral or um you know media music that was the moment that 
where I decided I'm going to do that. Yeah, I think that that resonates with the with with our generation. I think that was a moment that defined uh, a lot of for all of us when we when we when we experienced that moment where uh, where we recognize the power of music and film and imagination uh, and how it transports you, how the music transports you. Now, so uh, a funny thing, if you you can search this on YouTube, like, okay, so like the, the end scene in Star Wars Episode yeah. Four, the throne room scene, right. they have a version of it without any of the, without John Williams' music, without any of it. It's amazing. And <laughs> it is like, oh my goodness. The music is the, is more of the actor uh, than the actors. I mean, it's like the music right. is the star in in those types of moments. Oh, he because, saved that movie. He saved that movie. Oh, yeah. He just, it wouldn't be it a disaster without it. Incredible. <laughs> incredible. Yeah. John Williams and James Earl Jones. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And they, yes. yeah, they have a, they all, I also saw a video where they had uh, just Darth Vader scenes with David Prowse's voice. Yeah. Uh, and it was like, Oh my God. <laughs> Are we serious? So yeah. yeah. So Tracy, yeah, you absolutely resonate, uh, <laughs> resonate, you know, because that's, that, that's a, yeah, exactly. I, yeah, on that music sa- is so powerful. Yeah. On that same note, at, going back to the, uh, you know, 20 seasons of a fishing show stays in your memory. Yeah. <laughs> and you have two guys in a bass boat. Mm. Um, and now he, Casts his line out there and, and, and pulling it back, and you look, you add music to it, and you can you can change. You know, uh, me, I met my friend Mark, and uh, we were the other composer. You could make it anything. You could make it funny. You mm. could make it really mm. serious. Like what's, yeah, what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. And that's I mean, let's face it, re- it's a reality series, and all reality reality series are like that, where you have this overblown music onto very weak material. Yeah, and yeah. you know. It's up to us. We're the ones, you know, that that uh, have to carry it sometimes. I think to the, the composers. I believe, yeah, I, I totally agree. That's what I love. In a way, you have. I don't know if I want to use the word power, but it's more like putting. I don't know, so making everything extra, making you know, see the life the way I see it in a certain way. You know, you can enhance the situation, putting gold on it. You know, making it special. I like that sort of right. really try to even take really boring stuff and try to make it interesting. That I love that challenge. It's uh, a res- I, the responsibility. Let's call it the responsibility. Yeah, responsibility is a good word. I once had an exercise for my students, uh, quite young students, but they had a very simple video click, and they would try to enhance it by finding the right music for it to make it really interesting. And and uh, they actually worked really well. They weren't creating their own music in this case, which is the next step. But um, it's it's fun to try. Yeah. Well, even music editing, you know, it, yeah, for yeah. something like that is, you know, it's a, it's a craft too. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, like American Graffiti. So the music for that movie, uh, like the picking, the picking the right music, picking the right, uh, songs and editing right. that together yeah it's yeah it's it's a gift it's it's a gift to be able to have that intuition i just i don't know it's so silly uh, to bring this up i don't know if i said this before but you might know of the dancer merce cunningham and the composer Ed cage and <laughs> they were a couple and they uh, wrote art together but the funny thing is that one did the choreography and the other one did the music, but they never saw each other during the creation stage. <laughs> they just had decided that, and I love that idea. And then he just put it together and see what happened at the end. They became quite famous. Yeah, went to, <laughs> I remember this was going back to had the Mac Plus. Yep. And uh, we had a, there was a somebody hired us for a commercial. This guy called us and said, "It's for Procraft boats." Okay, mm. Procraft boats. And he said it's a thirty-second commercial, and it's going to be some, you know. Boats going along, and this is going to happen, and the logo is going to come up, and um, but but they never gave us the footage. They never gave us the oh, the, right. the the show. So we just kind of wrote kind of something that seemed like it might work, and couldn't just send them an MP3. No, we yeah. had to. I had to put the Mac Plus and uh, the synth modules we were using, and drive to Orlando to the studio. Oh, and sat down, and the guy who's hiring us is sitting with his arms crossed like this. Mm-hmm. And so no one's heard the music yet except for me and Mark. So we had to, I had to hook up this, you know, the sequencer live because there was all, all we had at the time would be cassettes, and you can't do that. 
and then somehow got time code from the guy with the with the uh, from the video and ran it and it worked it just it just it was wow. god and <laughs> 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 uh, got paid yeah. and it was great but yeah we didn't mm. you know it didn't know what it was going to be uh they loved it mm. i've actually got a jl cooper uh Sempty tape sync box upstairs uh, mm. with that I use with a four track little four track cassette recorder. Yes. And yeah. like <laughs> you heard the time code and that, yeah. yeah, incredible stuff. Incredible. Yeah, sounds like a modem, right? I actually yeah. just got rid of my Studio Three Opcode Studio Three that was sitting in here, and I just I threw it away the other day because just there's no. These are <clears throat> Sam. These are I don't, I don't know if you, did you ever have to work with time code? You're, you're younger than we are, I think. <laughs> no, no, I know about it. Uh, yeah, it was still in the business. Yeah, we had you have a VHS, and you mm -hmm. one channel you take the right channel and put time code on that, and the other channel would be whatever uh, sound there was on the on the program, mm -hmm. and then yeah. you just have to keep running this thing back, and it would have to lock up. It was fun. Yeah. These yeah, kids don't know how they easy they had. <laughs> it's true. Sometimes when you think about a DAW, how it works, you know, we're so used oh. to it. It's but Jesus Christ, man, <laughs> what we can do with that? Well, you, I had to sequence ago. when it was five below zero and yeah. it was going uphill one way and then yep. down the other. Yeah, it's yeah. like, and I had to make sure it was in sync, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I am I'm not that old, but I'm old enough to have seen you know people working with tapes in studios and you know a normal recording session and. Uh, I, everybody says it sounds better, and that might be true, but uh, I'm I'm not missing that. <laughs> I can tell you. No, I remember uh, again my little video studio. We had we started with a an eight track. I don't know what brand it was. It was a half inch. I think it was half inch tape, mm. reel to reel. And we had these Dolby rack mount things that you had to run it through. So you the sound would go in sounding pristine. It would come back sounding not pristine. <laughs> so anytime you went into when you mix something, even in the big studio, you'd play it in sounding one way. It came back; it did not sound as good as it did. It lost high end. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, and I always thought, well, gotta be so. You'd always, you know, they might boost the treble or the high end or 10k or something going into the as you're recording, coming back to make it what you wanted it. And I remember the first time that we used an ADAT, which was an early, yeah. Um, oh yeah, digital eight mm. track format, mm. and. I was just amazed. What I played into it came back sounding exactly the way it yeah. is intended. So I was I was hooked on digital. I was... Wow, I'm guessing here, but isn't that the reason why a lot of '80s recordings and early '90s are very high frequency? There's a lot of emphasis on that because everybody's used to, you know, pushing that in order to pull through. The... That could be. Or we all could have been deaf too, or just trying to get the, <laughs> get the frequencies back. <laughs> Yeah, but that worked. It took a while to come back into the scene after the digital. There's nothing takeover. worse than taking your high pass filter and boosting it all the way up and moving it around and not being able to hear anything changing up in that. Yeah, that's right. a, that's a, yeah. So but that's funny. You quite quickly go into that sort of age where you start to lose your hearing. It doesn't take long, actually. So you don't have to be too old. So it's interesting yes. how these masters can still do that, even though they're up there, you know. But yeah, I, just take care of what you have. Take care of it while you have it and exactly. be gentle with your instrument. Yeah. Speaking of right. instrument, I forgot to ask, do you play something to Tracy or do you just sort of produce music or edit? Or... I'm a, yeah, keyboards. I play keyboards. keyboards. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty much what I've been. And I can play, you know, I can strum chords. Mm. You know, yeah. If I have a song, somebody wants to, an acoustic guitar strum, I can play that. And I can throw down some power chords, <laughs> electric guitar, but that's it. I can't play lead, um, but I know again I can I can play two notes in a lead, uh, just to get, um, just so I know how to get the sound I want. In other words, if it's, it's a slide, I'm wondering if that if your situation is almost the best drive to really create good guitar instruments because you know you're a pianist, cubertist like I am, and and we really like that sound, but everybody knows how difficult it is to to get guitar right, especially if you play it like a piano, it doesn't really work, right? And right. the guitarists, they don't have to worry about that because they know how to play. So you really have that drive in order to get this right, how to touch it, it still sounds like a guitar. And and there, are, I actually think there's still quite a few libraries who, who nail that, so, yeah. There, we actually are, um, that's, 
privilege that a lot of uh, guitar players actually buy our libraries, um, either to play with a, a guitar MIDI interface, um, or more, more often, they're just going to play it on their keyboard. Because, But their guitar player, it's a compliment from a guitar player. Because you ah. you're in your house, and it's 2 o'clock in the morning, the baby's asleep, um, you snuck out of the bedroom to get into your studio, mm-hmm. and you don't want to wake anybody up, get mm-hmm. yourself in trouble. Mm-hmm. You got to work in the morning. You don't want to pull out, pull out a guitar and tune it, yeah. and then try to get the technique. Your fingers, you know, are out of shape, and the, the strings are hurting your fingers. You can just load up a, a a virtual instrument and then and then play it. Mm. And, and exactly. Yeah. So even well, guitar- Tracy, what is what is next for you? Yeah. Uh, what I, I know, we have the fiddle. The fiddle still kind of still kind of hot. Uh, but what what do you see? What do you see the future of indigenous? Uh, how do you see that shaping up in the next few years? That's a good question. Um, we have been at for the last couple of years at a, a little just a threshold of what should we do? Should we just kind of stay where we are because it's kind of comfortable and put a an, an instrument or an instrument and a half out uh, per year, or try to you know expand and and um, get other people involved and and I really haven't uh, really haven't made up my mind on that yet. Mm. Uh, okay. There's advantages disadvantages to either going either way. Mm. Part of it is you lose control, and I like I like control. Mm. Especially, you know, if you hand something off to somebody else, uh, are they going to miss something? Mm. Uh, like I missed some things yeah. with the last release. Um, but it's a good question. Even what instrument is next, I'm not sure. I kept thinking about uh, a banjo. Mm. And then yeah. I, I actually pulled something out the last time I talked to you, Simi, and I thought yeah. about this tutorial I was going to do. And actually, that's a sitar. Ah, but I pulled it out the other day. I think, well, what are we going to do with this thing? Mm. Uh, first of all, it's like it's 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 foreign, you know, and it, it, it's I mean, it's foreign in in, in how it's played. Now, and I watched some some videos in my normal style of trying to get my head around what it would be like, and I'm probably going to wait on that. Plus, one of the strings I think is or the tuners is broken, so I'd have to get that fixed. Which is not a big deal, but it's take a, a a pretty big investment to understand more about that music and see how far you want to go. So I'm probably going to put a that. It's totally. It's a different world. It's yeah, a different. different it's a yeah. different world a, uh, to wrap your head around. Yeah. Right, and I want to do the tutorial, so that's not a good thing to do for a tutorial. So I'm probably going to do something uh, simple, maybe a. Um, but the banjo fits the. Well, style you've been going for so far quite well, doesn't it? It it does. Banjo a banjo would work. Uh, I'm not, but I want to do the tutorial first, and I think that okay. would be that one's gonna be more more involved. I'm trying yeah. to think of what the name of the instrument. Um, so a little folk instrument. Oh, what's it called? Actually, I have one of those libraries already, <laughs> uh, but I'm gonna do it again. <laughs> Actually, I don't think I have. You have a YouTube channel, right? I don't think I've posted that. I will do that after. I'll put it in the description. But maybe you could say it now if you have a YouTube channel so people can find these um, tutorials when they put them up. I, yeah, actually, the best way to go is, is to go it, probably indigenous. I think you could probably put that search spelled in the weird way, I-N-D-I-G-I-N-U-S. Or go to our website and then you can. It, you find you, you can find the YouTube channel on your website. There's a link. Uh, yeah, there's, there's a, a YouTube icon there up in the uh, menu right. that you can check it out. All right. Okay. Actually, let me can't see it right now, but uh, it's probably outside of the screen. But looking at the oh dulcimer, that's what I was looking for. Oh, yes. dulcimer. Yeah. If that's yeah, because it's nice. It's a it's a you know pretty little instrument. Yeah. And um, something that could you could easily do a tutorial on sampling and maybe inspire mm-hmm. some other people to get into sampling. One of the most uh, successful people I ever met was a guy named Bruce Swedeen. Um, yeah. Okay. One of the world's top mixing engineers. Okay. He just passed away last year. Oh, yeah. 
he was, you know, he was big time Los Angeles. And, and for some reason he moved to Ocala, Florida, which is 10 miles from here. Hmm. And, uh, when my friend Mark, again, he's going, Hey, I was talking to this guy. You might know who he is. He's Mark, his name's Bruce Sweden or something like that. And he, he was talking to him in the post office and he's just, he has a studio hmm. and he had built a whole studio in this small city. And sure enough, you know, invited over there, but went up to, and at the time he was working on a Jennifer Lopez album. He was, he was mixing that. Mm. Uh, he was finishing that up. You walk in and the hallway and there's uh, all this Michael Jackson. He was famous for the thriller and all of the wow. Michael Jackson at his height. Mm. And then plus a lot of the early jazz recordings. Um, he had a great idea called stereo, you know, back when whatever the, the record company was working for in Chicago they were recording jazz and he goes, we should do stereo. And they go, I just don't, you know, nobody mm-hmm. cares about them. So he <laughs> recorded them anyway. And now, yeah. you know, years later he could sell those recordings. But anyway, a genius. And you could ask him mm-hmm. anything, you know, you could just, um, and he mixed some of our, uh, Mark and I's things just because he liked us. And, uh, it was great. But, but the point, my point is that if you have knowledge, um, why not pass it on? You know, and he would, he could ask him, you could ask him any microphone he ever used anytime. And I wasn't paying him anything. Uh, it was just that way. He would mm. just tell you exactly. And, you know, those kind of people are inspiring to me. He just, yeah. why hold back? What are you, what are you saving it for? Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. And uh, I don't know if I'm the most giving person, but when I do, I, I, I really feel happy. It makes me happy. It, I, well, I think I'm it's like, one of the reasons, things. you know, when you give. To others, it actually makes you feel better. <laughs> right. I mean, I mean that's not the only reason, guys. obviously, but it usually right. works. <laughs> right. Yeah. But at least you know you could tell people enough how to how to create something that mm. fills a need for a project they have. Uh, yeah. One of the, uh, I had a client that she wanted a Delta Blues. She goes, I want the sound of Delta Blues. I, went, mm. I looked around for cheap libraries. I didn't, and my my library didn't work um acoustic guitar collection so i bought a slide and i just i threw some notes down real quick just to just to make her happy so i could use it on a song so it was just uh, an inexpensive acoustic guitar with a slide and <coughs> it sounded great and we actually yeah there it is delta blues now that's i mean that library and that Actually, yeah, now that you mentioned that, that's that is in my plans is to actually come up with a Delta Blues too, uh, which will be a, a deeper okay. sample, yeah. uh, more deeply sampled because uh, essentially Delta Blues is that library I made for a client, and then I went back and filled in some of the spaces, you know, to make it a, a commercial library. But it still needs, it could still be expanded and uh, and have you know, it could be a lot better better than it is and um that's one thing i'm looking i'm looking at mm. that's cool sounds really nice well we are uh heading we have done about an hour now and uh yeah. yes i think that's uh, a good time to end uh unless you guys have anything to add but otherwise uh i just want to say thank you so much tracy for coming on to our little show and letting us know about your really nice samples. And I really encourage everybody, uh, I mean, I've tried these instruments and I really encourage you to check out his instruments at indigenous.com. They are a little bit towards the country Americana, but they're still so good. You can use them for a lot of things. And if you are missing one of the string instruments, like a guitar or banjo, not banjo, but mandolin and other things, I, I definitely encourage you to check that out. And it's very reasonable reasonably priced as well anything you want to add simeon no i i i just agree and uh, it's so good to see you again tracy and uh, so excited to just to kind of hear more of, of your story and where things are going uh, i'm very very blessed so yeah and i agree with sam if you need to you know just just download one of the guitar libraries and i'm sure and, and i'm sure that once you get your hands on those um, just one, you you know, it's like the potato chips. You're not going to be able to just stop with, with one because, uh, 
you'll, I, you know, hopefully you will connect like Sam and I have connected with these instruments. And uh, basically you're connecting with the heart that Tracy's put into all of these uh, these things that he's done, the library. So it's just been been great to be able to spend some more time with you. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks for having, having me uh, on, guys. It's been great. I'd also like to just thank uh, the people who have bought all these instruments over these uh, past uh, 18 years and uh, enabled me to pay my electric bill and buy <laughs> new instruments. And it's it's been great. And I look forward to carrying on and um, see what happens. Yeah, all right. Oh, wonderful. Well, that's it for this show. Uh, don't forget to rate us if you can, if you're listening to this on the podcast, if you're watching on YouTube. We would very much appreciate it if you hit that like button. Perhaps subscribe so you will see when the next show is coming out. But normally we do shows every other week, Wednesdays the same time as today. So thank you very much and hope to see you back soon. <laughs>